When I tell you the love just keeps pouring in. I am so grateful. Thank you, Ife, for joining our Patreon family. Wow, that just warms my heart. It, it almost made me just a little bit Southern. <laughs> Thank you so much. I really appreciate that, Hanny. Um, you can join our Patreon family, too, and support this podcast and support me in producing this podcast. Uh, just head straight over to patreon.com slash BWTpod, and we'd love to welcome you. Hey, girl, let's get together, okay? <laughs> so you might know that I've been planning a conference, and it was supposed to happen October this year. You know, the world fell apart, but we're trying to put that whole back together, right? So the International Black Women Travel Jubilee presents Rally and Rejoice. So this is the premium event for black women travel content creators and digital nomads. And of course, all those who are aspiring. And I'm trying to create something that is easy for you to follow, easy for you to digest and more accessible for you to actually use and implement in your life. And so instead of making it like a six, seven day, eight hour day conference kind of thing. I'm trying to split it up. So it'll be Sundays, October 4th, 11th, and 18th. October 4th is called the Sojourn. October 11th is called the Voyage. And then October 18th is the Odyssey. Like I said, I just want you to be able to get this information down into you and be able to use it in your journey, wherever you are in your journey. It's designed to help you get your mindset together, as well as practical tools that you'll need along the way. So I'm really excited to welcome you there. Tickets are currently on sale. And I made this affordable, y'all, because access is really important to me. Community is really important to me. I don't know if if you get those vibes yet. What you can do is just head straight over to ibwtj.ashalbh.com. And you'll find more information there on each day and what the speakers will be presenting. I'm really, really excited to share this information with y'all. So you can get more information and cop your early bird tickets at ibwtj.ashalbh.com. I love that. I love that phrase. But that dance with fear is just kind of like, it's a part of going to the next level. It's a part of getting to the next thing. It's a part of, you know, climbing and, and reaching and pursuing and going after the vision, going after the dream, or just going after a life that's fully lived. From somewhere around the world, welcome to the Black Women Travel Podcast. Hi, my name is Wanda Duncan, and I'm so glad you're joining me as we explore the paths of black women who've made travel a large part of their lives. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us today. Can you please tell us your name, where you're from, your current location, and the name of your business? Hey, everyone. My name is Trafina Wade. I am from Columbus, Ohio, which is exactly where I am right now. Um, and my the name of my business is the Fearless Living Society. I am an actor, writer, traveler, and a fearless living coach. So I'm the creator of the Fearless Living Society. So like, fearless living is 
listen, you don't talk about it, you be about it. So I'll take a look at your Instagram. <laughs> yeah. And when we talk about experiences, honey, <laughs> we're talking about skydiving in Aruba, swimming with manatee, kissing dolphins. We have bamboo forest yes. bathing, ATVing, surfing, getting your scuba certification, eating rotten shark in yes. Iceland, glacier climbing, <laughs> zip lining, um, Tower of Pisa, the Pisa, the Sphinx in Egypt, waterfalls in Niagara, Lavender Falls in Provence. Machu Picchu, <laughs> flying helicopters, skydiving. Like, oh my gosh. You better do the research. You know okay. everything. You better live the life to have me do the research. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. You know, you're amazing. I look at the travels and I'm like, because it's not filled with a whole bunch of quotes, it's not filled with a whole bunch of filler. Yeah. You are yeah. living by example. And like, it seems like you were taking breaks or you had time off from the show you were working and mm-hmm. you did road trips. Like there are so many friendly faces and the pictures that you have, like mm-hmm. you've just been out there, out there. Talk yeah. to us, please. <laughs> well, um, yeah. So, I mean, I am an actor and um, for a long time I've been, um, in the Lion King, both on a national North American tour and also on Broadway. And so the beautiful thing about being on tour is that you're seeing, you know, a whole big chunk of the United States. And I mean, you know, you're seeing some really small towns, you're seeing some large cities and you're seeing everything in between. And um, so I had a, a lot of opportunities to kind of take little road trips, you know, depending on where I was in the country and to just kind of discover the United States. And I mean, before being on tour, I had traveled um, extensively throughout Europe and some parts of Africa, um, but I had never really seen much of the United States. So being on tour was was a tremendous blessing to just be able to see the country and take it all in and experience it all for, you know, for the beauty that it is. Like the United States is, despite our issues, it really is a beautiful country. Like there are some really beautiful places in this country. Um, but also too, you know, I would go on vacation and I would go overseas. I would go to Europe. I would go to parts of Africa. I would go, you know, I've been to Thailand, been to South America. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I just, I've, I've, I've been very, very, very blessed in my life to be able to travel a lot and, and see, you know, a lot of the world and kind of, I think traveling has really, really opened my mind to, the possibilities of experiences that you can have. You know what I mean? Once you start seeing things outside of where you're from and where you grew up, once you start kind of seeing things, the more you see, the more your mind expands um, to what you can see and the more your mind expands to what's possible. And so I'm very thankful that um, that I've been able to kind of expand my my world by actually seeing the world and and being adventurous, I'm I have a very adventurous spirit, and I wasn't always like that as a child. I was scared of everything, <laughs> but as an adult, I've kind of um, just decided to kind of take life by the by the horns, as they say, and and not allow fear to stop me um, or control me. And so I've been able to see a lot of really amazing things and do a lot of really amazing things and 
face fear, like, you know, stare it head on and, and kind of just throw myself into the experience. And it's been really amazing. So what were you afraid of? Like, where did that fear come from as a child? Um, I just was, I just was nervous about so many things. Like I had, I had fear of like, I remember when I was a kid, I had fear of bridges. I think I was told by someone that like, if there are too many people on a bridge that the bridge can collapse. And like, (laughs) so I was afraid of bridges for the longest time. And I was just like a very like nervous, sensitive kid. You know what I mean? So everything Um, you know, I was just very sensitive to a lot of different things. Um, but as an adult, as I, as I, as I grew up, I think at some point I just discovered that the thing that I want to do is on the other side of fear and I can't sit, sit around and, and just let life happen. At some point I have to decide that I'm going to face the fear in order to get to the thing that I actually want to do, which is always on the other side of fear. Um, so as an adult, I've kind of just embraced that. And whenever I feel fear, I kind of remind myself of, you know, the life that I've lived and the things, the experiences that I've had and the things that I've gone through. And I kind of just remind myself, okay, if you got through that, you can get through this. If you get through this, you can get through the next thing. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, as an adult, it's been, it's been amazing to, Actually, it's kind of amazing to think about how nervous I was as a kid, how like sensitive I was as a kid and look at myself now. And I'm just like, wow, like who would have thought (laughs) that the girl who like cried at everything would be jumping out of planes and like sitting on the edge of Victoria Falls? Like, I'm sure nobody could have predicted that, but (laughs) that's how it turned out. So now were your parents travelers as well? Not really, not big travelers. I mean, we would take like family vacations and things like that, but we never, we never, I didn't, I wasn't on a plane. I never got on a plane until I was in high school. Um, So we weren't a big, you know, like we would take road trips and things like that and go places that were kind of close. And I grew up in Ohio. So we kind of, we would go up to Niagara Falls and like see the falls. And that was always like one of my favorite things to do as a kid um, was to go to Niagara Falls. but like we never really did like cross country things or um, or, you know, traveling to other countries or anything like that. So I kind of I think I kind of paved the way a little bit, <laughs> uh, you know, for just to, for my family to see me do that, you know, by myself. I think I kind of broke a little bit of a mold there. And how how was it being a what you call sensitive or fearful child. Mm-hmm. How did they handle that? How did your parents handle that? Um, they weren't really, I mean, there was never any, I was never told that I needed to like toughen up or anything like that. And I think also too, as a girl, I think growing up girls are allowed to like cry more than boys are. So like there was never any like you need to toughen up, you need to have a thick skin or anything like that. There was never anything like that. So I think they kind of just like took it in stride. Um, You know, I think they kind of just took it in stride. And now, you know, when I started to like travel and do different, you know, more daring things by myself, 
Um, I think at first there were probably a little bit of nerves because they, they're thinking, oh, Lord, what is she going to like? <laughs> you know, she's nervous about everything. But I think as I started to do more things and kind of show that I was becoming this independent person, at this point, everybody just kind of receives it. Everybody's just like, okay, well, that's that's how it is now, you know? So, yeah, but they never really, there was never any like force to like, toughen up or anything like that. So. And as you started to travel and like, so tell us the story of going from this fearful child to through your school years, like where was the transformation? Can you pinpoint Mm -hmm. your evolution? Um, I think for me, what I remember is when I was preparing to go to college and I decided, and I was very clear that I did not want to go to school in Ohio where I'm from. Like I was very clear that I was not going to school in Ohio. (laughs) Um, And there was like, okay, well we can visit this school or that school or this school or that school. And I was not interested in visiting any Ohio schools. Um, And I went to Howard University, which is in Washington, D.C. And for me, that's, I think, the first time where I really remember feeling like this is a big shift. Like I'm in a whole I'm in a place where, you know, D.C. has a very specific culture and Howard has a very specific culture. And, you know, I was very aware that I was going from one way of being and one kind of one community and one way of life to another different kind of community or different kind of energy. So for me, that's kind of like when I distinctly remember that shift. But I mean, I definitely think it started earlier than that. When I was in high school, uh, I was in the marching band and we did a lot of traveling in the marching band. We marched in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade and we marched in um, like the Fiesta Bowl Parade and we marched in... um, um, you know, we would travel all over the country and go to all these different parades. And so I think for me, that was probably my first taste of just venturing out of what was comfortable and, you know, seeing different places and going different places and doing different things and being outside of my like family's immediate care. And I think that's probably when the shift started to happen was when I started to you know, travel with the marching band. And then when I decided to go to Howard, that was like the major shift for me. Like, okay, this is a whole different kind of thing. And you got to figure this out. You know, parents aren't here. You got to, you, you got to do this. This is your decision. You got to figure this out. So that's, that's kind of when I remember a definite shift happening. Why is it that you didn't want to study in Ohio? Like, that seems like a very conscious decision. Yeah. And honestly, I don't know. (laughs) I honestly don't remember why I was so adamant. I just knew that I didn't. I just knew that I wanted to go somewhere else. You know what I mean? I knew that I wanted to. I knew that I wanted to have a different experience, but I don't remember why I was so firm on that. I honestly can't remember. 
Um, yeah, I really don't remember. I mean, I think I, I was thinking about, um, you know, I was, I wanted to be an actor. I wanted to study theater and I knew that, you know, some people that I really admired went to Howard, Debbie Allen and Felicia Rashad and, you know, all these, these people who we know as great actors. And I was like, I want to go where they went, you know? So in my mind, the decision was made that I was going to go there. So maybe that's why. Um, but I don't remember per se a concrete like reason for not wanting to stay. I just knew that I wanted to have a different experience. So, so you had dreams of being an actress from very young as well then. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I did. From the time that I was a little kid, um, I remember I used to watch, you know, I used to watch all kinds of shows on TV. I used to watch PBS and um, I would, I remember stumbling upon, um, I guess it was a special or a concert or something on PBS and Leontine Price was singing. And I was just like, so enthralled by this like beautiful black woman with this voice. And I just knew that, you know, I kind of, I wanted to perform. I would watch different shows on TV and I would just try to copy what they were doing. So I knew I wanted to be an actor. I knew I wanted to perform. I knew I wanted to sing. I knew I wanted to, to do all of those things. And I remember I used to say that I wanted to be a doctor and I would say I wanted to be a lawyer. And I think I just thought that was like an acceptable thing to want to be. Um, but, you know, as I got older, I knew that I wanted to be an actor. I knew that I wanted to be perform that I wanted um, to perform. So yeah, that was pretty solid in me from from early on. And did you have the opportunity to like participate in any like summer camps or any like you know training that that is usually available? I don't know. Maybe in Ohio, there's <laughs> not as yeah. big of a. I mean, when I was community, a kid, I don't remember that there was a lot. Um, at least not that I was aware of. I mean, I took dance classes. I always took dance classes from, from the time that I was a little girl. So I took dance classes. Um, and then, you know, in school, I liked being in the plays and, you know, um, being involved in the performance, the performance related things. Um, but I didn't really have like any kind of formal training until I got to college. Actually, that was like the beginning of my formal you know, training as a performer. Do you think along your process that that access or lack of access has helped or hindered? Like how has it played into your being able to feel like a confident actress? Um, when I think about it now, no, I don't think, I don't think I was hindered at all. Um, I think if you had asked me that question, like when I first went to college, I think I would have said, yes, I felt hindered because everybody who I was kind of in school with had been like singing since they were three and acting since they were five and taking lessons and doing all these things. And so I think at that time I felt like, oh, I'm behind. But when I look back at it now, I don't, I don't think that at all. <laughs> I don't think that at all. Why is that? Um, I don't know. I just kind of think that the experiences that I've had have come along when they needed to come along for me, you know? Um, 
and I recognize that everybody has their own journey. And, you know, some people start doing things when they're a child and some people don't start until, you know, what will be considered later in life. But I feel like you have the experiences that you're meant to have when you're meant to have them. And it's all a part of the journey and it's, it ends up all being a part of a part of your story. So I definitely don't see that as a hindrance. Yeah. What has helped you to form your ideas around dancing with fear? Hmm. That's a good question. <laughs> um, I think just the realization, the knowledge or the, well, yeah, the realization that, that everything that is really worth, worth it, there's going to be some fear that's going to try to come and, and stop it or stop you from doing it. You know what I mean? Um, and I know people, a lot of people say that and we hear that all the time, but I really do think that's true. I really do think that. And for me, when fear comes, I know that it's something that I have to do. It's something that I have to confront. Um, and I, I've definitely experienced that in my life. The things that were so amazing or so worth it, there was definitely a fear that I had to conquer in order to get to that thing. And so I've recognized that that dance with fear, I love that, I love that phrase, but that dance with fear is just kind of like, it's a part of going to the next level. It's a part of getting to the next thing. It's a part of, you know, climbing and, and reaching and pursuing and going after the vision, going after the dream, or just going after a life that's fully lived. You know, you have to kind of embrace the fear and not embrace it so that it can stick around, but embrace it in a way that you can conquer it. You know what I mean? You have to acknowledge it and call it what it is and see it for what it is and recognize that it's not really real. And its whole goal is to stop you from getting to where you want to be. And you just have to figure out, you know, what that balance is and how to get there. What are some situations in your life that have forced you to, well, not forced you, but have presented you with the opportunity to face your fear? Hmm. Well, I mean, I talked about, you know, going to school, going to college. I think that has definitely given me an opportunity to face the fear of like, you know, being away from family, you know, stepping into a new environment, stepping into a world that I just was completely uh, ignorant of, you know. Um, I think the first time I traveled abroad, I was, uh, the first time I traveled abroad, I was doing a study abroad program um, that took me to London and then to Ghana for a semester. And um, I remember when I told people that I was going to do this, like people were like, oh my gosh, aren't you afraid? You're going to be on the other side of the world without your family. Aren't you scared? Aren't you going to miss your family? And in my mind, I'm thinking, well, I'm not leaving forever. I'm coming back. Like, <laughs> you know, like what, what's the problem? Um, you know, like, <laughs> it's not like I'm going to another dimension never to return. I'm just going to the others. It's fine. It'll be fine. Um, so that's, those are definitely experiences that have, have um, 
kind of put me in a position or forced me to to face the fear head on. And then also just different adventures, things that I've done. Like um, I have a horrible, I really, really hate the feeling of falling. Like that's one thing that I just hate so much. But I have been skydiving, you know, uh, three different times. And just doing that forces you like when you're sitting on the edge of a of an of an open door of a plane while it's in flight you, you kind of come face to face with your fear <laughs> you know what I mean so um so like just being adventurous and doing different things like that has has forced me and I actually like to force myself when I know that I'm afraid of something or when I know that something is um like causing me anxiety or trepidation I I like to force myself to confront it. And I feel like the best way to confront, the best way to confront it is to allow yourself to come face to face with it and just kind of go full force and, and, and face it head on. You know what I mean? So, and I think that's the best way to get over it. These are kind of like, so the decision to leave family to go to college. Mm Mm-hmm. Like the person that you were when you made that decision is not the person who decided to pursue an acting career. It's not the person who got hired to tour with the Lion King. And yeah. it certainly isn't the person that is sitting right now today right. having this conversation. Right. So I understand the other situations where you put yourself in fearful situations. Um, but I think I'm talking more about situations that are not so like you can't put your finger on them just as easily, if you know what I mean. Um, it's, it's the situations where you have the opportunity to challenge yourself and live what you believe. It's that, that place that you press mm-hmm. up against and you say, am I going to do this or am I going to do that? And the reason why mm-hmm. I even have mm-hmm. to ask this is because I'm afraid, afraid of failure, afraid of not living my values, afraid of taking a risk. Mm-hmm. So those are. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think those are. No, I just I think those are I mean, those are very common fears, the the, the fear of taking a risk, the fear of not knowing what's on the other side, um, the fear of am I really living what I believe or am I living what someone else has told me to believe? Um, I think those are, those are very, very real things. And I think those are things that, you know, we face every day. I mean, I just look at our current climate where it's like, you are forced to decide what do I, what do I believe? What do I think? What do I know? And where did all the information come from? And do I really agree with all of it? Or am I just accepting it because it's what I've always known. But I'm talking um, about you specifically. Yeah. About, <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> like, what are the situations in your life? Where have you hmm. been challenged to walk yeah. the talk? Aside from leaving your family hmm. to go to college. There, have, I, there must have been so many. There have to have been. You know, when I think about something recently, I think about, actually, I can think about two things recently. 
um, just even me wanting to move into the life coaching space and, and coach people out of their fear or coach people about fear. Like I've been saying fear is stupid for years and kind of living this adventurous lifestyle and encouraging other people to, you know, take life by the horns and live the life you want to live and all of these things. But when it comes to me wanting to actually like start a business and put myself out there as a coach, that has been something that I've been like, well, I'm out here telling other people fear is stupid. I can't be afraid to like actually make that an official thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, so, I mean, kind of moving into that space of, of seeing myself as a business person, calling myself an entrepreneur, calling myself a coach like that has forced me to face those fears, face the fear of failure or are, are people going to take me seriously or um Am I going to be able to get clients? Are people going to come to my workshops? You know, different things like that. So I think that has forced me to like stand toe to toe with what I believe and and ask myself, am I going to really live what I believe or am I just saying it? Um, and then also, too, a few years ago, um, I self-published um, my I self-published a book. And so that was another opportunity that I had to 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 face myself and decide am i going to share like things that are very personal revelations that are very personal am i going to step into the unknown and call myself an author call myself a writer you know call myself a self published you know author am i going to do that or am i going to allow the 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 nerves or the fear to kind of stop me from doing that so those have been a couple moments where i've kind of had to stand toe to toe with myself and decide, okay, am I actually going to step into this new space? Am I actually going to live what I say I believe? Or am I going to let the fear stop me while I'm telling other people not to be fearful? Um, yeah. And how has it been? It's been amazing. <laughs> it's been amazing. I mean, I love, um, I always joke that like God gives me things to do that he knows I have no idea how to do. And then I'm forced to like <laughs> figure it out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, and so it, when it comes to like stepping into the life coach space and like hosting workshops and putting it out there, Hey, I'm hosting a workshop. This is what I'm going to teach you. This is we're gonna, what we're going to deal with. And there's always a little bit of nerves. Like, is anybody going to sign up? And when people sign up, are they actually going to show up? And when they actually show up, do I actually know what to say? And then when it's all said and done and, and the workshop is over and, you know, everybody has hung up and gone on. And I'm just like, oh, that was so amazing. That felt so good to be able to share with people what I know from my lived experience and and kind of help people walk through walk through their fears or walk through their anxieties. And um, so it's been, a, it's been amazing to kind of step into those spaces and feel like what I have to say is received, um, received, you know, from a place of respect. And to also feel like when, when it's all said and done and I'm finished, to feel like I actually did something that was, that it, that it, that was purposeful. Like it makes me truly feel like I'm living in purpose and on purpose. And that's, that's, it, that's been the experience and it's been awesome. 
and what helped you to move through it? Um, knowing that I had something valuable to share, you know, I think for a while I avoided it because I would, well, not really avoided it, but it was a challenge because, you know, I would have that little voice in my head saying what I thought other people were going to say, which was, well, what makes you think you can teach me this? Or what makes you think you, um, have something valuable to share. And my response would always be, or, you know, people, I would think that people were going to say, what makes you qualified? And my response would be, my life makes me qualified. I've, I know how to face fear head on and choose to get to the other side. I know how to literally stand on the edge of a cliff and choose to jump. Like I've done that literally. So so I, I know how to, I know how to do that because I've done it. And I think there's no better teacher than experience, right? Like anybody could give you principles and rules and things to try, but when you've lived it, you know, you know what you're talking about. And so I think that that's kind of the thing that gave me the courage and continues to give me the courage to move forward is knowing that I've done it. I'm not just making stuff up. I've actually done this. So I know that I can help you. You know what I mean? Um, So, yeah. So there's the phrase, I'm not new to this. I'm true to this. And like you were saying, Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, you have been hashtagging fear is stupid ever since 2014. If you've been doing it before that, I couldn't find it, but, (laughs) but yeah. Yeah, yeah. 2014 you had shirts made <laughs> like, i sure did i rock my i still rock my shirts proudly i have mugs i have hoodies i got the whole shebang <laughs> you also have the hashtag live love go do be that was also yes. on the shirt we don't sit on yeah. couches it's also we don't sit on couches yeah <laughs> where did that where did that particular one come from we don't sit on couches we don't sit on couches. Oh, child. So <laughs> we don't sit on couches. Um, I actually had two experiences um, that kind of created that phrase. One was I took a vacation to Sedona, which is like one of my favorite parts of the U.S. Um, and, you know, I travel a lot solo. I do a lot of things by myself. And so I took this vacation to Sedona. I went to this beautiful um, resort that had this amazing spa. And then I took an excursion. We did a hot air balloon ride with a champagne toast at the end. Like, it was just amazing. I was living my best life. And so, you know, I, I'm, I find myself in places where a lot of times I'm the only single person there. Because a lot of times people are like, coupled up with the hot air balloon ride or the spa or the whatever. So, you know, in this particular situation, I was the only single person there and I was the, probably the youngest person there and I was the only black person there. And so, um, you know, I was talking to, it was an older white couple and and the guy said to me um, something along the lines of, and that's, this actually happened to me a couple different times where I had this similar conversation with an older couple and the guy said to me, oh, well, you must not, um, you must not want to be like in a relationship. You just, 
you just love being by yourself. You just don't want want to have anybody. And I was like, well, no, that's not necessarily true. <laughs> you know, like I, you know, of course I want to like be in love and travel with somebody and all these things, but I'm not going to sit in my house and just sit in the couch and wait for somebody to come find me. I'm going to go live, you know? So I, I said that to him, like, I'm not going to just sit on the couch and wait. I'm, you know, so that kind of brought about the idea of we don't sit on couches. And then I had a similar, another similar um, instance where I was in New York and I met this guy and we were kind of talking and I had just um, come from working on a cruise ship. I was working on a cruise ship for close to a year. And after I got off the cruise ship, I, I was in Europe and I decided to kind of like hop around Europe for a couple of weeks before coming back to New York. And so I met this guy and I was talking to him about this amazing time I had had working on the cruise ship. And I was in the Mediterranean seeing all these countries and being amazing. And and this guy was like, well, don't you think if you just settle down a little bit, you wouldn't be single? And I was like, how dare you? <laughs> like the thought that I have to quote unquote settle down in order to like have a man find me worthy. But it was just like, I'm again, it was that idea that if I wanted to um, have a man that I needed to stop living my best life and enjoying my life. And I was just like, I definitely would love to, you know, be married. And, but if you're, if you want somebody who's just going to be in the house cooking your meals and, you know, if you, if that's what you want, then I'm not the girl for you. If, if somebody who is adventurous is, not what you like, then I'm not the person for you. But also too, I'm I'm not gonna be just sitting in the house on the couch waiting for you to come home from living your best life. I'm gonna live my best life too. So the whole idea of we don't sit on couches kind of came from those experiences where people just felt like either I hated men, I didn't want to be with a man, or 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 if I wanted to be with a man, I needed to just quote unquote settle down. It's ridiculous ridiculous it's so crazy because like right. I could just see your face I could just see your face beaming from experiences right. and you're like girl I just did this and did that I mean I, I ran out of yeah, breath yeah. just going through that little bit of list and I'm sure that I didn't even mention because like you were busy living right. it versus right. um, recording it so so you're just like doing what you do and people are looking at you trying to figure you right. out like, and I'm like well, okay, cause... but why is she by herself? <laughs> oh, she must want to be by herself. Oh, she must not be able to find yeah. nobody because she moved too much. Yeah. And that's why and she's I was by like, herself. What? Girl, like, what? Keep it. <laughs> <laughs> and then the way you said that to find a man. <laughs> that theater right. came out earlier. Like... Find a man. <laughs> Like, how dare you? Are you serious? Is that, should that be the most important thing to me? That's, that's not the most important thing to me. Okay. Well, let's talk so, yeah. about it. So since it's not <laughs> the most important thing to you and you have expressed your desire to yeah, uh, have it's, a familiar it's a desire. Yeah. So what's going on with that? Because that's I the conversation <laughs> that's a conversation we have as travelers a lot like yes and we, we do. have both you know it's it's really interesting to me is one thing that I've realized and I realized this actually when I was on tour um because you know you kind of roll into these cities and you're there for a month or for two months 
And you go out and about in the city and you meet people and you might go on some dates or whatever while you're in the city. And everybody thinks it's cool. You know, this was my experience trying to date while on tour. Um, everybody thinks it's cool. Oh my God, you're in the Lion King. That's amazing. Oh my gosh, I have to see the show. Oh my God, you were so amazing. The show's so amazing. So you just travel around the country and you do this. Yeah. Oh my God, that's dope. But they don't really get it until you actually leave. And they're like, oh, you're not coming back. And it's like, no, I don't live there. I was there for the show. And now I'm going to the next city for the show. But phone still works. So, I mean, does that mean we can't talk anymore? Oh, okay, great. Good to know. So what I realized is that people expect the man to travel for work. People don't expect, I mean, now more and more we do, but there's still this thing of like, if the woman is the one traveling for work, people are kind of weird about that. So, you know, being on the road for close to six years, it was hard to kind of meet someone who understood that life and who was like good with it, who was okay with it. Um, So that was definitely a difficult thing. And then also too, I just, I recognize that I like to do a lot of things that a lot of people who happen to be men are nervous about, (laughs) you know, when I tell people that, you know, I love the ocean. I love to scuba dive. Yes. I'm a certified scuba diver. I've been skydiving. I love to, you know, do adventurous things. I'm, I'm planning to climb Mount Kilimanjaro or I went on a five day hike through the wilderness to Machu Picchu or, you know, all of these different things. And a lot of times I feel like some men, in my experience, some men feel like they have to compete with that. And I'm like, you don't have to compete. You know, it would be nice for you to join me, but, but you don't, you don't have to one up me. Like if I go diving with sharks, you don't have to go diving with sharks too. Or if I decide I'm going to like hike up the mountain, sure, it would be great for you to join me, but you don't have to one up me. You know what I mean? And so I feel like that's, I've had a little bit of that experience where guys felt like they needed to like measure up to that certain thing. And I'm just like, just be yourself. Like if it would be great to have someone join me on those adventures, but you don't have to prove to me that that's something that you enjoy doing, especially if you don't enjoy doing it. Cause then eventually it's going to come out that you don't really want to do this. You know what I mean? So it's, it's an interesting thing. (laughs) People who happen to be men. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's nice. That's nice. That's a nice way to put it. Yeah. I mean, you know, Uh, So so like, that's the part that I don't get. It's like, there are adventurous men out there. Yeah. Yeah, there are. You would think that you could meet them, but it's like you said, a competition thing. Yeah. And they're intimidated by somebody who takes the lead in that kind of way in their life. Yeah. Well, what am I here for then? Hey, girl. Exactly. Can you just love me? <laughs> exactly. Just love exactly. Yeah. Do you know how I, to do that? Yeah. That, that's definitely, 
there's definitely like, there's an intimidation factor. And there's that, well, if you can do all of these things by yourself, what do you need me for? And I'm like, but I just want you to be here. Like, is that not enough? <laughs> like, is it not enough for me to just enjoy your company and, and want you to be here? I don't, you don't have to prove to me. You don't have to prove it to me. If I want you here, I want you here, you know? Um, but yeah, there's, there's definitely, I've definitely experienced that like intimidation factor and it's just, I'm like, so what do you, but what do you want me to do? Would you rather I just chill in the house and wait for you? And I think some would. And, and again, I'm not saying this is, this is definitely not all cause I've definitely met and I know some very adventurous men. Um, but you know, when it comes to the relationship thing, I think, um, I just haven't met that person yet who is like kind of in that same space. So are you leaning towards a particular race as well? Um, yes. <laughs> um, yes. I, I, just really, wonder, I, I just wonder. <laughs> Girl, I, you know, you because <laughs> I'm team all black one. everything. <laughs> if you add that layer on top of all of it yeah friend, that yeah because <laughs> i'm like she might could get I, you know one of them others i i definitely could she but might I know get one I, of them others but but i like my own <laughs> i'm 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 a fan of my own well you keep fearlessly living we're just gonna watch <laughs> you Maybe he'll pop up right. on the gram with you one day. Maybe not, but listen, way. listen, if y'all see him pop up on the gram, <laughs> y'all know it's the real deal. Okay. Well, we, we are rooting for you every step of the way. <laughs> listen, there Thank are you. miracles. Okay. Listen, I believe, I believe. Come on. Okay. So the cruise ship that you were on, that was Norwegian cruise ship, and you were a singer on the cruise ship. Yes, yes. I was on Norwegian cruise lines. Um, I was a a singer on the ship. Um, We were in the Mediterranean for about eight, nine months. It was amazing. Like, it was amazing. I spent my birthday at the pyramids. Like, it was amazing. Wow. Some people think about travel jobs, yeah, um, but yeah, I don't think yeah. we've heard a lot about how those jobs actually are. So that's really cool to hear. And the funny thing about a cruise ship is, you know, people go on cruises for like, you know, a weekend or seven days or 10 days or whatever. I was on a cruise ship for like eight months. And so months, the same ship <laughs> for eight months. So as amazing as it was, you know, when you first pull up to the ship, you're like, wow, that thing is huge. It becomes very small, very quick when you're, when you're working on the ship. So, um, it, it was, it was, you know, it, I always tell people you're meant to be on a cruise ship for like two weeks tops. You're not meant to be on a cruise ship for eight months. That's not, that's not what, how it's supposed to work. But, you know, when you work on the ship, that's how long you're on. Some people are on there for longer, you know. So, um, but it was definitely an amazing experience. I, I, I 
you know, I, I look back on pictures that I have and, and memories that I have from being on the ship and, and I have fond, fond memories. I had some great times on the ship and, you know, it, we had, we had some, we had some wonderful times. I saw some amazing places. I think I saw every country that borders the Mediterranean, oh, well, almost every country that borders the Mediterranean. Um, and it, it was just, it was really, really an amazing time. Won't you, you know what I'm saying, bust a little something for us real quick? Oh, Lord. Don't you know? Uh, real quick and pull something out. I don't really have nothing I wasn't planning on. <laughs> you are trained. You can cry on oh, demand. Like you, these are muscles you built. <laughs> Year after year after year, you've you've been a professional are. actor for over seventeen years. Seventeen oh, years, yeah. Come on. What you got? <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord, um, let me think about something, and we'll, let's revisit that because I got to think about something <laughs> I can say real quick. That's the thing about singers. You ask singers to sing, and they'll be like, um, dang. I'm like, I don't really know no song. Every lyric in your head flies out. You don't know. Right. Leaves. Leaves. Okay. So it is interesting to me, though. um, You don't talk about music much. I don't. You don't talk about music. Your focus has been on uh, your book, The Heart Works, um, directed Mm -hmm. and produced the, um, the film. Dear Carefree Black Girl, yeah. uh, you have your yeah. Fearless Fridays series that you do on Instagram and YouTube. Yeah. But yeah, you don't talk about the music very much. It just, I like don't. Leaning you, that way. Your spirit is not leaning that way. Well, the thing is, is I think for me, it's still very... Um, it's still very like precious to me. You know what I mean? Not to say that everything else isn't, but I still, I still hold it very close to me. So I'm not one of those people who's like on the gram, like singing every day, (laughs) you know, like I have friends like that and I'm like, yes. And every once in a while I'll throw a video out and be like, Oh yeah, by the way, this is something else I can do. And people be like, what? So and I, I think I've always been like that with singing just because it's, it's like very, very precious to me. Um, and also too, because I do it for a living, I'm like, ah, sometimes I just want to chill. You know what I mean? So, yeah. So in your role <laughs> as Sarabi, mm-hmm. you were singing all the time. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Well, yeah, because I mean, in the show, like in the show, everybody, everybody has to sing. Um, but Sarabi is is what we call a singer's track, which means that I'm I'm in the singing ensemble and then I'm also Sarabi. So it's a singing role. Yeah. And what does Sarabi mean to you? But uh, also to be clear, you are no longer well because of everything going on but you're no longer in the show. Yeah. Well, at this point, there's no show to be in. Uh, (laughs) 
because you know every you know COVID shut everything down, um, which has been a a hard thing for the Broadway community to be shut down for so long because that's never happened. Um, so, so yeah, but I mean, if the show were happening, I would be in the show right now. Um, but yeah, no, I'm not, I'm not in it right now. Um, and I'm also preparing to transition to LA as well. So, um, so I'm kind of in the process of pivoting to a different, you know, taking another leap, pivoting to a different side of the business and all of that. So, yeah. Um, but you asked what Sarabi means yeah. to me. Um, you know, it's interesting because, you know, Lion King was my dream show for so long. Like that was a show that I was like, if I'm if I can do Lion King, I'll be happy. I don't need to do anything else you know, on Broadway. And so when I first auditioned for the show, I wanted to be Nala, you know? Um, and when I first auditioned, I was called in to, for, um, actually when I first auditioned, I auditioned in Germany to be a Nala cover and I didn't get that. And then I came back to the U S and, um, a little while later I was called in to audition for Shinzi, which is the female hyena that's played by Whoopi Goldberg in the film, in the animated film. Um, and I was like, I don't really want to be Shenzi. I want to be Nala. But they weren't calling me in for Nala. And then in the midst of auditioning for Shenzi, they were like, oh, we want you to read for Sarabi. And at the time, I didn't really remember. You know, I had seen the show and I knew the film and everything, but I didn't really remember who Sarabi was. I mean, I knew who the character was, but I didn't really remember like her role in the show. So I auditioned for Sarabi. Eventually I got that. And, um, I remember all through my, uh, all through my audition process and all through my rehearsal process, the whole time I was still thinking, I'm grateful to be here. I'm happy to be here. But I still kind of want to be Nala. Like it was still in the back of my mind that I really still wanted to be Nala. And, um, you know, if you've, if you've, ever seen the show or even the film, you know, that the way that the way it starts is with all the animals coming to greet, you know, baby Simba, he's just been born and, uh, Mufasa and Sarabi are standing at the top of Pride Rock. And so when I've, the first time I went on stage to do the show, to actually do the show for an audience, um, I remember getting to the top of Pride Rock with Mufasa and kind of looking down and you see like almost the entire cast on stage at that point as the animals who have come to greet, you know, baby Simba. And in that moment, I was like, this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. Like this, this is, yep. Forget Nala. This is exactly where I'm supposed to be. So Saravi is really like, I never imagined that I would play the same role for so long. Like I've been with the show for almost for about 10 years now. And you know, I never imagined that I would be with the show for that long, but I've been Sarabi that whole time. And it's been, it's been amazing. Like people call me queen, like, (laughs) so it's like, it's, it's really been awesome. I love, um, I love the show. I love, I still love the show and I, and I'm blessed. I feel very blessed that after a decade, I can still say that I still love the show. I still love playing Sarabi. 
every time I play, every time I go back, because at this point they kind of call me in and out and I go in and out of the show at different times, um, like if they need me. And so every time I go back, I'm reminded of how much I love the show and how much I love playing her, you know, because you, a lot of times people think it gets stale or whatever, doing the same role over and over again. And in my mind, I'm thinking as an actor, I can always find something new in the story. I can always find something new to respond to. There's or or the actor who's playing a certain character is different than the actor who was playing it when I was there the last time. And there's something that they say that's slightly different than the way the other actor said it. And so you hear different things differently. And as an actor, you should always be looking for something new. You know what I mean? Um, that informs what you're going to do on stage. So I, I, I love it. I love playing her. I love playing the queen. I love the show. It's, it's, it's really has a special place in my, in my heart. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, sweet. I love that. So fun fact, I actually auditioned for the Lion King in Jamaica. What? Yes, girl. (laughs) This was what, 2010. Oh, wow. They had auditions in Jamaica? I didn't even know that. Yeah. Yeah, because I joined in 2010. Yeah. They had the audition in Jamaica. I went for the first time and they were just like, "Mm, that's not really what we're looking for. And then they were like, (laughs) no, seriously. And then then one of the dudes was like, no, this is what we're here for. Um, So like they told me to do something and come back and like it still wasn't what they were looking for. (laughs) Oh wow! Yeah. Wait, what role? Or were you auditioning for ensemble or for like a role? I don't even know. I was just singing. Okay. And it wasn't what they wanted. So. Oh, I got you. I got you. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> it was, and I kept my little things. Like I have a photo of like the stuff, but it was it was really cool. Oh wow! We, we have a chance and like them at least try to call me back to see if I could pull something different out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> crazy because they that is tour crazy. The, the company has different tours for different areas right right so there's the north american tour um at one time there was there was a show i think somewhere in south america i think brazil um and then there's also the uk tour well there was the uh uk tour there was a the show on the West End. Um, at one point, there was a show in Paris. There was one in South Africa at one point. Like, there have been companies. There was Germany, which is where I first auditioned. So there have been companies, like, literally all over the world. That's so cool. That's so cool. And it was the same time frame. That's so cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Dang, we could have known each other. I'm saying, but we know each other now. Right, it's right, fine. right. Um, I wanted to ask you what it has been like traveling as a black woman Hmm. it's interesting I've I've definitely had some I've definitely had some interesting experiences I can't say that I've ever had any experience that was like just blatantly horrible or um 
like demeaning or anything like you like you hear people you hear people having all kinds of experiences that are like racist or whatever and I'm thankful that I've never had any experience at least nothing that came across to me that way um but I ha- I've definitely had some interesting experiences and honest also too I think a lot of times people categorize things as like discriminatory or racist when it's not necessarily that and I'll give you I'll explain what I mean when I was in um this was this actually happened to me when I was on the ship and we were in Athens Greece and so we went up you know to look at all the ruins and everything and we were kind of walking around just like taking pictures or whatever and I remember we I had stopped to look at something and this group of kids, they were like young kind of teenagers, um, white kids, just kind of one of the, the guy came up to me and he said, picture, picture. And he was like kind of motioning with his camera. And I thought he wanted to, me to take a picture of him and his friends. And I was like, oh, sure, sure, sure. And all of his friends came and crowded around me. <laughs> and he took a picture. I was like, oh, he wants to take a picture of me with his friends. And I'm like, this is very strange. Like I had never had any experience like this before. And, and it was in that moment that I realized, um, I think maybe they've never seen a black person before, or they just never like had interaction with a black person before. Um, and I asked them, I was like, where are you guys from? And they were like, Serbia. And, and, and I was like, Oh, okay. I guess maybe there are black people in Serbia. I don't know. But like, I've actually had that happen to me in several different places where people actually want to take a picture with me. And I'm like, do they think I'm somebody like what's what, what is happening? But I think a lot of times people will have experiences like that. And they're like, Oh, they're just racist people. And they think black people are, you know, funny looking or whatever. And I think one thing that I always remember that I think a lot of people don't, don't, especially a lot of Americans or people from Western countries where, there is a lot of cultural diversity. I think a lot of times people don't recognize that in the world, most, I would dare say most places are full of people who are the same. Like they come from the same background. They come from the same culture. They speak the same language. Everybody has similar features or whatever. And so if you come from a place that's very um, kind of homogenous in that way, and you're not used to seeing diversity all around you, when you see it, it's either exciting or intriguing or whatever. You know what I mean? And so I'm very hesitant to categorize things like that as like necessarily racist or discriminatory or people thinking that black people are weird or whatever. You know what I mean? Like I, I'm very careful not to categorize it in that way because I realize that I might be the old, the first black person a, a person has seen in person in their life. Like that could be a very real thing. And that kind of situation has happened to me. It happened to me in Peru. It happened to me in Egypt. Um, it happened to me in France, which is weird, but, but yeah, I mean, I've, I've, I've had experiences like that before where people's curiosity kind of gets the best of them and they, they react in a way that's like, that almost is like weird as a, as a person who comes from a culture of a multicultural society, it's very strange for us, but I've tried to recognize it as a curiosity as opposed to 
calling it something else, um, if that makes sense. Well, it does because like that's actually factual. So yeah. there's three things I want to mention. The first is I asked how it was to travel as a black woman. And sometimes what what a lady will do is reach for the bad. I'm not mm. asking you to reach for the bad. I just want to know what your experience was like. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. That. And then, and then the second thing is, somebody wanted to take a picture of you because you are are different than them. Is not the definition of racism or discrimination. Right, right. Like that's just not how it works. Right. But I so mean, I, I don't, I don't think anybody who has been sought out to have a picture taken of them with people has described it as such yeah and then the third thing is like while on the surface it's like oh we're all from Croatia I think like we've traveled and we've experienced enough of the world to know that while it may look homogenous on the surface like there are so many minority ethnic groups true yeah within a place so to us it may just look you know like a sea of white but they all come from like they own little special tribes, they own little special whatever that differentiates themselves, differentiates them. Right. And like people migrate so much as well. Yeah. Yeah. And also too, what I've learned, what I've experienced, I mean, that, that was an experience that I had as a, as a very new traveler, but as a more seasoned traveler now, I've gone to places and felt like I ain't gonna see no black people here and I find a community of immigrants you know of black people so at this point I'm like oh no we're everywhere like I know that we're everywhere but I mean you know I'm in a lot of you know different travel groups on Facebook and whatnot and I sometimes I see different people talk about their experiences where they felt like someone was staring at them or someone um was just kind of looking too hard and, and they chalk it up to a negative thing as opposed to recognizing that it it might, it might just be, it might not necessarily be a negative thing. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, I do. Yeah. I feel you, but also like those travel groups, <laughs> every one of them, you know, every Facebook group has like a, a personality. It has an essence. It has an energy to yeah. it. So like you can kind of tell the mindset of the people who are in those travel groups. Yeah, absolutely. But I think, I think largely the people that the ladies that, well, people, cause apparently others, <laughs> <laughs> other, other identifying gender or non-binary and <laughs> other colors. Yeah. <laughs> listen to, which is news to me, but they listen to this podcast. Um, I forgot my point because I'm still just like stunned that not just black women listen to this podcast. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. I'm just, it's whatever. I forgot my point, but yeah. Um, you, you can definitely get a sense of like who and what, who's in those groups and what kind of mindset they're coming from. What yeah. kind of frame of mind. Yeah. Um, and, and what kind of experiences always. they've had, you know, or how they how they frame the experiences that they've had. Yeah. Because a lot of times we have the same experiences, you know? Yeah, that's true. But I just give off the energy. Like like I'm saying, with you, you just seem like super open. So somebody would approach you. Nobody has ever approached me. And they like won't. Because that's just not how I get down. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. But, but I can understand somebody wanting to approach you like, oh, 
That's lovely. Yeah. I want it. Yeah. And it's happened to me so many times at this point, if it doesn't happen, like at this point, I kind of expect it to happen. So if it doesn't happen, that's also I'm part of it. Why? Right? Yeah. I mean, that's also part of it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You expect but I mean, it to happen. So at, you like create that. At this point, if it doesn't happen, I'm like, where are my fans? Where are my people at? They didn't come. What's wrong with you? <laughs> I asked you for what a picture. <laughs> but you know actually when I was in Peru um you know I did this hike to Machu Picchu and I was with a group of people um who you know I didn't know we just all kind of happened to end up in the same group together and I remember on the last day of our hike we were in this small town and we had had breakfast in this town and we were you know about to continue our hike and this guy just came out of nowhere like we were kind of hiking through the jungle at this point and this guy came out of nowhere and he he spoke to our guide in, you know, whatever the language was that they both understood. And the guide, the guide who was a local, he turned to me and he said, oh, he wants to take a picture of you with his son. And I said, oh, OK, like, you know, because I'm expecting it <laughs> to happen. So I was like, oh, OK, sure. So, you know, his son comes up next to me. We smile, take the picture. The dad takes a picture. He thanks me or whatever. And then they go off and everybody in the group looks at me like, what in the world just happened? Like, they're like, is she famous? And we don't know it. Like what, you know, and the group was people from all over. So there was a guy from England. There was a couple from Australia. There was, um, you know, two other girls who were from the U.S. And so like people were kind of from everywhere in our group. And the guy, the older guy from England was like, what just happened? Like, are you famous? And we don't know it. And I said, oh no, I just think maybe if they've, never seen a black person before. And he was like, no, do you think that's it? I was like, I know that's it. Cause it happens to me so often that I'm, I'm pretty certain that that's what it is. And he was like, no, no, really, really. I'm like, yeah, but it's fine. Like, I'm not offended. It's fine. It's all good. You know? Um, but it's just, it, you know, at this point I've come to expect it. <laughs> but the thing too is, so you said that, you know, that black people are everywhere. Yeah. So, I don't know that it's so much they've never seen a black person before, but maybe they've never seen a black person they wanted to take a picture with before. Well, maybe that's what it is. Maybe that's what it is. Or maybe they've never I mean, yeah, I don't know. Like for me, that's 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 kind of just what I chalk it up to. Like it's an experience of like being that close or 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 feeling like, oh, I want to take a picture with that person. Maybe that is what it is, is is They've never, you know, seen a black person that they want to take a picture with. I don't know. Or maybe they do think I'm famous. I don't know. <laughs> or maybe it's just you and they just want to capture your maybe. essence. Oh, well. Could you? Okay. <laughs> All right. Get it together. <laughs> I receive it. I receive it. I receive it. <laughs> I want to talk about Arizona. So you went on this road trip. Yes. And you said you turned into the small gravel parking lot and went inside this quaint little church. So it had eight views, a tiny pulpit, and a huge window that looked out into the trees and the mountains of some national forest. (laughs) It's a hashtag, so I can't (laughs) separate it that fast while reading Yeah. You said this place was so peace and has become so sacred to me. Whenever I'm anywhere near Flagstaff, I make a point to make time to stop in. From the road, it doesn't look spectacular, 
but has become one of my favorite places to be. Sometimes we get caught up in the larger than life spaces that we forget to honor the tiny spaces and places that have added definition to our lives. For me, this is such a place and the road trip continues. Yes, girl, you better look through my, yes. <laughs> oh my gosh. That is one of my favorite little spots. Um, it's in Flagstaff, Arizona. Um, it's on the edge of, and I hope I say this right. Cause I always say it wrong. It's the Cocochino or Coconino National Forest. I think it's Cocochino um, National Forest. I think Coconino. Is it Coconino? Yep, it's Coconino National so. Forest. Um, and, and, and it's true, like from the road. And the road is like a small, like just a, two, a, a basic two-lane road. Like it's not a major... It's not like a major road or anything, but it's just two lanes, you know, one, one lane going one direction, the other lane going the opposite direction. And from the road, you don't really see how spectacular it is. It's just a little sign for the church. And then you see the little door and it's like, oh, that's cute. And you probably wouldn't even notice it. Um, but I happened to be on a road trip with a friend of mine and we saw it and we were both like, oh, what's that? And you know, you go to the door, you you open up the door and it just opens up into this beautiful structure and this huge window that looks out into the mountains. And it's, and it's true. Every time I'm in the area, I make a point and it is a detour. It's not really on the way to anywhere. So in order to get there, you definitely are taking a, a detour. Um, but I make a point to visit it because it's just, it's one of the most peaceful places that I've ever been to. Um, yeah, I love it. So we've been so focused on tiny houses. You know, you go YouTube or, you know, anywhere and you see these series yeah. on tiny houses. I've never seen one on tiny churches. And it's just like, <laughs> you can put it yeah. in your pocket. Yeah. But then, so the door, please y'all, if, if y'all are listening to this, go scroll through her Instagram, go find this. She, she, <laughs> she has one where she's standing in front of the church and where you mm -hmm. go, where you open the door, but she's standing inside the church and it's much bigger. Yeah. Inside. It's like the way that it's constructed is like, I don't even, I don't even know what you would call it because it's it, the way it's constructed. It's like the church, the door is so small. Like I, it's some Alice almost, in Wonderland type tip. Yeah. Like I almost have to duck my head down to get through the door but the way the building is constructed, it's kind of like in a triangle. So it expands outward. And then the front of it, where like the pulpit is, and there's like a big cross that hangs. And then there's like this huge window. So it like expands, the sides of it expand outward. And then the roof expands upward to make space for this huge window. It's just really amazing. It really, really is. And it, it's, it's, it's one of my favorite places to go um yeah and I mean you know people I think people can get married in there and it's not a huge space so if you get married in there you got about 15 guests you know <laughs> maybe 20 maybe 20 that's but, how you um, need anyway send the gift friends really okay and maybe we could party out there but we don't need a right, whole lot of right. 
Yeah. Y'all but didn't want us to get married in the first place. Let's keep it real. In the first, okay. <laughs> in the first place. <laughs> yeah, but it's um it's amazing. It's it, it truly is one of my favorite places. And you can sign, like you can write on the walls, and I've gone and I've every time I go, I write on the wall again and I never remember where I wrote the last time. So I always just write in a new place. Um, but it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's one of my favorite places to be. Yeah. Do you have any hobbies or interests? I do. (laughs) Um, Other interests. I mean, I enjoy writing. Um, I mean, obviously I've written a book, so I don't, I don't see myself like I see myself probably writing one or two more books, but I think I would probably keep that as something that I consider a hobby. Um, I really love, you know, adventurous things. So like hiking, I love hiking. I love outdoorsy type things. Um, I love being near water. I love to swim and just kind of float in the ocean. I love scuba diving. Um, yeah. By the way, you are really? a water baby. Like I, I don't am. know how you are surviving in Columbus. Like, is there no. a lake there? No. <laughs> there are. I mean, there's not well, not close by. Um, but it is very interesting that I'm that I'm such a water baby because you know I grew up in Ohio, so I'm we didn't I didn't grow up like going to the beach or anything like that. Um, but I think the first time I saw the ocean, I just thought. It was the, actually the first time I saw the ocean was when I went to Ghana and I just thought it was the most majestic thing. Like to me, I just feel, I just love how powerful water is. You know what I mean? How it, it gives us life. It covers so much of the earth. It's so much of our bodies, you know? Um, I just love being near or in water. And it and it is interesting that I'm such a water baby because I did not grow up that way. Like I grew up, you know, swimming. Like you know, we went to the community center and and took swim lessons, um, you know, in the swimming pool. But I didn't grow up near like a huge body of water. So that's been something amazing to kind of discover my love for water. And when you do travel, so like I see all this adventure stuff, but when it comes to maybe like more so on the ground like is there Mm -hmm. a specific way that you like to explore or is that the way you like to explore through your adventures um adventure is definitely one of the ways I like to explore but I also love you know every trip that I take is not necessarily a trip where I'm going to like jump off of something or dive into something, you know what I mean? (laughs) Um, Like I don't do that every time. Um, But I love road trips. And I guess, I mean, I guess that could also be considered adventure if I'm road tripping in a, in a foreign country and I don't really know where I'm going. Um, But yeah, I love road trips. I love spas. Like that's one of my favorite things to do is, if I go somewhere and I can find a really great spa, I love that because I love to kind of like pamper myself and take care of myself in that way and just kind of relax 
and be cared for in that way. Um, I really love, um, like one of the ways that I, I like to discover new places is through the food. I like to try local cuisine. Like I don't want to go someplace and eat all the same things that I would eat if I were at home, you know? Um, so I, I like to try, you know, local cuisine, things that I wouldn't normally try. Um, but yeah, that's, those are kind of the, the ways that I like to discover different places is through the food, definitely through adventure, a nice spa day. And then there are times where I like to just kind of wander and let myself just see, let's see what happens, you know, just, let's just kind of wander the streets and see what we find. Um, so yeah. And like the spa. So is that part of your self-care? Like, do you budget for that and add that into your routine? Or like, what are some of your self-care practices, please? Yeah, spa is definitely a part of it. And, you know, I haven't had a good spa day in a while because, you know, Rona, she don't want to let any of us be great. So, (laughs) Um, but spas are definitely a way that I like to take care of myself. Actually, when I was on tour, um, I would have, I would make a point to have a spa day at, in every city, if I could find a good spa that I liked, I liked to have a, you know, a nice spa day in every city. Um, I really enjoy facials, um, cause I like clean skin. Um, so I like to pamper myself with facials. I love massages, a good massage. Um, and then just other things that I do for self care is, is I really just enjoy silence, you know, like, living in New York for so long and being in a business that's there's so much going on all the time. I really enjoy silence. You know, I'm not uncomfortable in silence. So that's something that I do is to, to you know, to kind of just care for myself is just kind of allow myself to sit in silence whenever I can. Um, um, yeah. So like, those are some of the things I do for self-care. I love a nice long Epsom salt bath. <laughs> Uh, with you know, with something that smells good. Um, yeah. Are any of those practices particularly grounding for you? Oh, grounding. Yeah. Um, I think sitting in silence can be really grounding. Just allowing yourself to settle and, you know, be with your own thoughts. I think that's actually really important. Because I think there's so much noise, especially nowadays. There's so much noise. It's so easy to get caught up in everybody else's stuff. So to have time to just sit with your own thoughts, I think that's very important to get back to yourself and what I think, what I believe, or what makes me feel good, what I enjoy. Um, I think that's definitely very grounding. But I also think like caring for your body, like pampering your body is very... I definitely think that's very grounding just to kind of have those tactile moments where you're like having massage or having a facial or, you know, having somebody stretch you out or whatever. Um, I think we, we start, we see those things as luxuries and unfortunately sometimes they are just because of the cost of that. But I think it's important, like human touch, you know, is important. So. Um, I think those are definitely things that, 
that ground me. Yeah. Do you have any song lyrics or a poem that speaks to you these days? Mm. Um, India Ari's latest album, Worthy. The whole the whole album speaks to me. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it really does. Like I just really, really love her. But um, the song that I really, really enjoy is actually the title song "Worthy," where she just talks about everyone is everyone is worthy. Um, I think that's an important thing to remember, especially again nowadays with everything that's going on. Um, you know, everybody has so much judgments about so many different things. Everybody has a judgment about and an opinion about everything. And, you know, even you see it in, even in like Black Lives Matter and people like wanting to explain that away. And it's like, everybody, everybody has breath. Like everybody is, is worthy of love. Everybody's worthy of honor. Everybody's worthy of respect. Whether you like the person or not, whether you love the person or not, whether you agree with the person or not, you don't have to like love or agree with someone to see that their life is valuable and that they have worth. Um, so yeah, that, that song worthy definitely speaks to me these days. How do you like to celebrate? Hmm. With a great glass of wine. (laughs) I love wine. (laughs) A glass or a bottle. Come on. I mean, we can go for a <laughs> bottle, okay? <laughs> we don't have any trouble with that. <laughs> yeah, I love to celebrate with a glass or a bottle of wine. <laughs> you said you're a red wine girl. Yes. Do you have a favorite? Ah. <sighs> I love um, so many. Um, I love there's a there is a winery in Napa Valley called Sterling. It's my favorite winery that I've ever been to, just because the the property is so beautiful, the landscaping is so beautiful, the experience is so amazing. Um, so I really love their, um, Cabernet. They have a really good Cabernet and a really good Merlot that I love. Um, but in general, I just, I love red blends and I love Cabernet and Merlot are probably my favorites. And I also love Pinotage, which is a South African, um, wine. So, yeah. If anybody wants to send me some, I, w- I will receive. <laughs> <laughs> I will receive with gladness. <laughs> Come on. Come on, solicitor. Yes. <laughs> send wine. Send wine. Yeah. <laughs> I always like to ask my guests. How can listeners best support your work? Hmm. Um, well, I would definitely love for people to engage with Fearless Fridays. Um, like you mentioned earlier, you know, it's every Friday on Instagram and also on YouTube. 
So subscribing to my YouTube channel, which would be awesome. Um, Sharing Fearless Fridays, um, because I think I I personally think that it is um, relevant and helpful for the time that we're living in. So definitely subscribe to my YouTube channel, share Fearless Fridays. Um, and then also, you know, support me in, in this new coaching business that I am creating. Um, and the best way to do that is to stay tuned to my Instagram because I have been doing these monthly um, workshops where I kind of give a taste of what my coaching sessions are like, what my coaching services are like. So I've been kind of hosting these group workshops once a month. Um, So I always post that information on Instagram as well as Fearless Fridays, which is on Instagram and YouTube. Um, So yeah, that would be the best way. (laughs) Very, very wonderful. So I will add links to your YouTube channel and your Instagram account in the show notes. Thank awesome. you so very much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. For taking the time to chit-chat about the chit-chat. I also want to give you a second opportunity, Trafina, to, to sing that song. <laughs> you've had more time. You're like, you've had your moment to think, so give it well, to Well, not us. really, because we've been talking <laughs> we've been talking the entire time. Um... Okay. It's late here, just FYI. (laughs) Okay, so this is a song. um, This is actually one of my favorite songs to sing. It's called The World Goes Around. It's actually a song that um, I sang when I was on this ship, when I was working on the cruise ship. Okay. Sometimes you're happy and sometimes you're sad. But the world goes around. Sometimes you lose every nickel you had. But the world goes around. Sometimes your dreams get broken in pieces. But that doesn't alter a thing. Take it from me, there's still gonna be a summer, a winter, a fall and a spring. And sometimes a friend starts treating you bad, but the world goes around. And sometimes your heart breaks with a deafening sound. Somebody loses and somebody wins. And one day it kicks, then it kicks in the shins. But the planet spins and the world goes round and round. Ta da! You better <laughs> come through my rainy Betsy Smith, Ella Fitzgerald. It's, like, it's like almost midnight. I'm like <clears throat> trying to work out the uh, phlegm. <laughs> Well, if that's midnight, baby, I want to see you at one o'clock in the afternoon, okay? (laughs)
<laughs> when I'm good Let and warmed up. In the okay. <laughs> if that's midnight, I'll take it. <laughs> that was beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. Thank you. Well, this is where we part ways, my yes. friend. <laughs> Thank you again. We really appreciate you. Thank you so, so much. much. <laughs> you have yourself the best rest of your midnight. <laughs> Thank you. You have a great day. Thank you. I will. <laughs> All right. We'll talk to you later. All right. Bye-bye. Bye bye. <laughs> Barum, mm, barum, barum.